Welcome to the COVID What Comes Next podcast with Dr. Ashish Jha, Dean of the Brown University School of Public Health and a globally respected pandemic scientist and physician. Every week here, Dr. Jha will analyze events of the previous several days and offer his assessment and guidance for what lies ahead. I'm your host, G. Wayne Miller of the Providence Journal and the USA Today Network. So, good morning. How are you, Ashish? I'm good. Thanks for having me back on, Wayne. Well, we're, we're always happy to have you and happy to have you every week. So, talk to me about the past week since we last met here a week ago. What has happened uh, in the country? Yeah, so um, what has been remarkable about the last week uh, is obviously the week leading up to the election, a lot of uh, anxiety and a lot of focus on the election. But the virus uh, hasn't been distracted by the by the election. It continues doing what it's doing. And what it's been doing is um, infecting more people. Uh, we are basically, uh, by the end of last week, had gotten to 100,000 new infections per day being identified. Um, percent of tests started really ticking up, which by the way, the way to think about that is when your percent of tests that come back positive are going up, that means you are missing more and more cases. You're missing more and more infections. And nationally, we're at about 7% uh, of tests coming back positive. You want to be around 3% if you can. And so that in my mind means we're probably missing two thirds to three quarters of all infections out there. Um, so if you just do the math, uh, instead of we're identifying 100,000, but probably more like 300,000 Americans are getting infected every day. Uh, that's, a, that's a hard number to kind of keep in your head. And of course, when you fail to identify these people, they, they still go out and infect others. And that's why the virus is spreading as much as it is. And then the only two other quick things I'll say um, uh, is that hospitalizations have continued ticking up. We're seeing that now in more than 40 states across the country. And, uh, and we know as, as night follows day, uh, mortality, death numbers are starting to climb as well. And so probably in about 30 states across the country, uh, more people are dying now than they were two weeks ago. And I expect that number to continue to rise for a while. So how is it spreading this week or, or this month or, or in the current period? Yeah, there, there are two or three main mechanisms. I mean, the one that we think is uh, probably the most likely is gathering indoors. Uh, and, and I mean, kind of a home and, and uh, getting together, you know, so basically having a bunch of friends over on a Friday night and the masks are off and people are having food and drink and things that we've all loved and enjoyed and such an important part of our, of our culture and of our society. And, uh, and those are those indoor gatherings, uh, informal gatherings people are having really are an important source of spread. Uh, sometimes they're large gatherings of 25, 50 people, but sometimes even like five or 10 people. And the problem is one person shows up, spreads it to seven others, and then those people go out and spread it to, to another 20. And it, and it just kind of continues that way. So that's probably a major mechanism. Um, 
You know, there is some debate about how much indoor dining uh, in restaurants is spreading things. I think most of the evidence suggests that it's a it's a pretty meaningful contributor to uh, to spread. Uh, that's what we've seen from lots and lots of states that have done good contact tracing. It's not my way of saying there's no way to do indoor dining safely. I think there is, uh, but once you get beyond you know a pretty low level of capacity, it becomes easier and easier to spread the virus when you're uh, in restaurants. So today is election day, and regardless of who wins, President Trump will be in office until Inauguration Day in the middle of January. What would you foresee happening during that period? Yeah, so what has happened over the last two months uh, should will tell us a lot about how the president is likely to deal with the virus over the next two months. And you're absolutely right, Wayne, that, that a lot of people think that if there is a, if president uh, Trump loses tonight, or if, if uh, vice president Biden becomes president, somehow he immediately takes over, uh, nothing changes in the federal government until after January 20th. And, and obviously if president Trump is reelected then nothing changes after January 20th. Um, and so over the last two months, what you've seen is a shift in policy coming out of the White House, a shift really driven by uh, Dr. Scott Atlas uh, that says that we should have a very kind of a hands-off attitude, that we should let the infection run uh, and try to get to a high level of population immunity. Um, my sense is that is going to be the policy of the White House for the next couple of months, uh, no matter who wins in the election today. Um, the, the couple of things that I think are going to be important, if we want to control the virus, which I think is absolutely essential, if we want to make sure lots of people don't get sick and die, uh, the, all the policy action is going to be at the state. I don't expect much to come from the federal government over the next couple of months. Uh, the problem is states are out of money. So what I'm hoping is that Congress gets back together pretty quickly, gets some money to states, and states begin to implement policies and improve testing and do the things that are necessary uh, to prevent much further outbreaks. If, if that doesn't happen, the next couple of months are going to be very, very bleak. So the Washington Post reported and the New York Times uh, reported on its reporting that Deborah Burke sent this internal memo stating that uh, the pandemic is entering a new and, quote, deadly phase. What did you make of, of that? As you know, of course, Deborah Burks has been uh, traveling around the country to state by state. She came up through the East Coast. She was in the Midwest, in the mountain states. What did you make of that memo? which was an internal memo and apparently not intended for publication. Yeah, so um, Debbie Burks, whom I've known for a long time, Dr. Uh, Deborah Burks, is, um, has been, I think, very focused over the last couple of months, while the White House has been kind of uh, sending the message that the virus is coming to an end and that we're turning a corner. She knows it's not. And so she has been traveling around the country, as you said, trying to tell governors what they need to do. That memo was completely right. And it was her being honest with her boss, the president, and the leadership of the White House saying things are about to get much, much worse. It's basically vocalizing what those of us on the outside, whether it's someone like Scott Gottlieb or me or others uh, who are saying the next six to 12 weeks are going to be very hard. And partly because 
we've not had we've not done much in the last two months to curtail the virus. And even now, I don't feel like there's enough policy action uh, at, at many of the state levels and certainly nothing coming out of the federal government. So she said what I think all of us have been thinking, and, and I'm glad she did. If Joe Biden wins this election, he'll be inaugurated in January. But there are several weeks between the election and the inauguration. He will be building his administration and fine tuning his approach to the pandemic. What would you expect? Obviously, you're not on that team, but what would you expect Biden and his people to be doing regarding the pandemic and and preparing for their direct response were he uh, elected and, and he takes office in January? Yeah, so um, I, I'll tell you what I hope for, and then uh, and then we can talk about what might happen. What I hope for is the model that we had in 2008 when we were in the middle of a financial crisis in our country, and you had one president going out, uh, President Bush, and a new president coming in, uh, Barack Obama. And what you had was a very close working relationship uh, between the Obama team and the Bush team, because they knew that the country was in a perilous moment and that the transition period could not be a time where we fail to act. So a lot of a lot of good coordination happened. I, I, that's what I would hope in this case, because these are probably likely to be the two, three hardest months of the pandemic. And we need good coordination between an outgoing Trump team, if, if President Trump were to lose, and an incoming uh, Biden team. What I also believe uh, should happen, and I su- suspect this part will, is pre- uh, Vice President Biden has been very clear that getting the pandemic under control is priority number one, because it will then uh, uh, shape his ability to do everything else. And he has superb people on his team. And what I expect they're going to be doing is looking at how do we uh, ramp up testing relatively quickly. As soon as he gets in, uh, they will be talking to FDA, CDC, other people. Uh, I expect they'll be talking to companies and talking about potential kinds of investments. Congress will be involved. Uh, we need money for testing. So I think there will be a lot of conversations with Congress. I expect they're going to be looking at trying to do some sort of a national mask mandate. The vice president, uh, Biden, has certainly made that clear that he believes that whether he can do that on his own, whether he needs Congress, whether it's legal. Those are going to be issues that they're going to have to sort through. Um, And then I think uh, there is going to be a lot of focus on how do we support states. And so my guess is there's going to be a lot of effort that's pretty closely tied with Congress. And obviously what happens with Congress in today's election will matter as well. Uh, If there's a Democratic Senate that will change the kinds of policies they're going to work on over the next couple of months. Obviously, if there's going to be a Republican Senate, uh, then that'll change the calculus as well. So we are in Early November, and of course, a big holiday is coming up, Thanksgiving. Uh, I think we can maybe talk about that next week. We've talked about a lot here with the election and so forth. So let's put that off to next week. Uh, But let's close with what you foresee happening in the coming seven days in terms of, of the pandemic. Yeah. So we're at, at, as I said, about 100,000 infections per day. I expect that that number will continue to rise. Look, there's nothing that I see on the short-term horizon that begins to turn anything around. Um, I expect you'll see more and more out of state. So yesterday, uh, Governor Baker announced some new provisions to try to curtail, curtail the spread of the virus in Massachusetts. Uh, I, I said this to the Boston Globe, and I'll say here, I think it was uh, well-intentioned, but wholly inadequate. Um, I think we're going to see other governors also step in and try to put in some 
provision. So I wouldn't be surprised if some of that happens. The country is going to be pretty distracted over the next few days with the election, and I suspect the virus will get less attention. Uh, but unfortunately, it's not going away. And so I expect to come back next week uh, without a whole lot of new developments beyond just more infections. I do think, by the way, in the next few weeks, at some point, we're going to start hearing more about vaccines again. Uh, they are cooking along, and a couple of them are getting very close to authorization. So I doubt in the next week, Wayne, but maybe in, in between two and four weeks from now, we may hear of the first authorization of a vaccine. Okay, great. And we'll talk about vaccines in future podcasts along with many other things. So Shisha, I want to thank you again. Have a good week. Stay safe and take care. Always a pleasure chatting with you and you stay safe as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.